Welcome to Parenting in Acadiana podcast brought to you by Woman's Foundation. Our goal is to provide you with quality information from local experts to support you in your parenting journey. Hey parents, welcome back to our podcast. On this episode, we have Mick Essex. He is from Vantage Health. Mm-hmm. Uh, so welcome to our episode, Mick. Thank you. Glad to have got to be here. Good to have you. So Mick, tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you do here in Acadiana? Well, I work for, as you said, Vantage Health Plan. I just moved here from Shreveport last year. Uh, in fact, July of last year exactly. So been here for 12 full months with Vantage Health Plan. I was the marketing executive for the Northwest region of the state. We're based in Monroe, Louisiana, but we're throughout the entire state, and we were beginning to hear a lot more uh, interest from the Lafayette Lake Charles community. Mm-hmm. So we decided to move me here and um, hopefully op- opening an office in 2019. So we provide health insurance benefits for companies, individuals, Medicare, state employees. Uh, and because I'm the only employee here, I mm-hmm. am everything. You're a one-man yeah. show. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you here in Acadiana. Welcome. Yeah. And happy one-year anniversary living here. One year. How you like Lafayette? Everything's been super. My son's here with me, and that was the biggest thing about the change is, is was he willing and, and on board with the move. So he goes to Como High School, mm-hmm. loves it, already looking forward. He? He's 17. He just turned okay. 17 in June. So uh, he's going to be a junior at Como this year, and um, already looking forward to school. We, he he actually asked me when could we go get school uniforms really? and supplies. So that's wild. <laughs> that's that's different coming from a seventeen year old boy. It is completely <laughs> different, and and not not anything like he's ever been before. Yeah. So he he's so he a, must like it. He really does. He made a solid friend group. Um, the the and not just from the teenage age but just all around people are very social mm-hmm. uh, obviously here and I, I did I've never felt like an outsider mm-hmm. at all of course I get you know joked around with about being from north of I-10 it's mm-hmm. not being part of Louisiana <laughs> yeah so. but just in jest so it, it's it's been uh very, we've been very well received so um, I, I don't plan on moving ever for the most Good, part yeah. yeah it's a great place to raise a family and yeah. so I guess that goes into why I have you here you're here to talk about just Raising your son as a single father, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that being easy for you. How was that like in the beginning stages when he was little? It was obviously unexpected. Nothing that I ever expected to have to actually deal with. It, it really all began probably around the age of four. Whenever he was four, his mom had she had a lot of history that I did not know of prior to us being together as far as addiction in her family mm-hmm. that uh, I was completely unaware of. And it's one of those things where you just make the wrong friends. And she uh, basically just disappeared for the most part. I and mean, there was a, there was a lead up. I could tell there was there were things going on. But, you know, whenever you're married, it's your son's mother. Mm-hmm. You know, you you don't pay attention to a lot of the warning signs mm-hmm. that are, you don't want to you don't want to give it validity by by, mm-hmm. re- by recognizing it basically until it's too late. So that all really went down around the age of four. I was living in Shreveport at the time. That's mm-hmm. where my dad's from. And I had to move back to my hometown. I just, my, my dad worked six days a week. So mm-hmm. did I, I didn't know anyone else in town mm-hmm. and it was just, it was impossible, you know, to try and do it by myself completely mm-hmm. where I had no 
true family support. So moved back to the hometown. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it, it's so it seems like a natural you know Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. You know where mm-hmm. the guy's down on his luck has to move back home to mm-hmm. his crappy hometown. Mm-hmm. You know, which funny enough, it was pretty much exactly like I left it. Yeah. Uh, oddly, so um, you know I, I've spent about three months on my mom's couch until I could actually get myself on my feet. I was, it was important that I had that family structure there to and from daycare, mm-hmm. you know, breakfast, dinner, things like that. I mean, I'm, and of course at this time, I still don't know where his mom is. She's dead for all I know. I have no mm-hmm. idea. So going through all of that transition stuff, it was honestly, people ask me all the time, how did you do it? I have no idea. It was, I guess, just one day at a time, to, you know, during mm-hmm. that t- period of time. And after about three or four months, found a, a good job in Monroe, which was only about an hour away. Mm-hmm. So it was easy. I actually commuted for, for a time because, again, I still needed the help with, you know, daycare to and from all that. So moved to Monroe, and things really started to turn around at that point. Mm-hmm. I, I had several friends from high school and college. My sister lived in Monroe at the time as well. So I, I had that support that I needed both in and outside of, you know, personal, professional mm-hmm. life. So it really kind of moved things forward. And then a couple of years later is when I got the job with Vantage, actually. So I don't know how, I mean, I really don't know how I made it from day to day. I, I watched the TV show Intervention mm-hmm. a lot, mainly, I guess, because it, it made me feel like I wasn't alone, mm-hmm. like there were other people, even mm-hmm. though it was typically, you know, the dad that was the the addict, the addict right I still yeah. felt some sort of camaraderie with you know the family that was dealing with with that situation so she was actually on the missing persons list for almost a year where oh, she wow. turned up yeah and mm-hmm. she turned up in jail in Shreveport and then the next couple of years were really all over the place because she, you know she had to complete rehab we're still married at this point we've not even i've not even gone through divorce proceedings at this stage so Mm -hmm. um she still had you know every legal right as a parent Mm -hmm. during that period and that was that was interesting because she was wanting to be a part of his life but then didn't feel like she she necessarily should or or was able to right Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of inner struggle on her part Mm -hmm. you know with that and you know i tried to make her you know explain that you know as as a a kid had been through that plus the fact and i don't know if it was a cause of or a result of we dealt with adhd Mm -hmm. pretty severely as as a young kid so Mm -hmm. All those things were just a perfect storm of, of issues and trouble and, and so forth. And all the while, I'm trying to make a living, mm-hmm. you know, at the same and time. And support your son. Right. So just a lot of things going on mm-hmm. all at one time. And, and I got really, really good at compartmentalizing. Mm-hmm. I became a slave to routine as far as, I mean, from the moment I woke up till the time I went to bed, it was a planned routine in every in every way. And it's almost an OCD thing at this point to where there's things that I started doing back then that I still, it has to be a part of my day Mm -hmm. every day, whether it's no dishes in the sink at the end of the night Mm -hmm. or those kinds of things that I really and truly, the more I think about it, the routine Mm -hmm. nature of things that I, that I felt was, was critical. And it was something that we learned in therapy for him that as far as dealing with these things, that routine and consistency was of utmost importance. And honestly, I think that's the same for any kid, regardless of their mm-hmm. of their home situation, even with both parents. 
young children flourish better in an environment where there is structure. There's structure, you know? routine. Mm-hmm. It, it, it makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. So is it easy? No. I had no social life. I did mm-hmm. not do anything other than work and take care of him and worry about, you know, what, what the future was mm-hmm. going to bring. So going back to you mentioning that you had to move back home, is that something important that you would recommend single fathers, single mothers to do is finding that support group and finding family, just being there for you? How important is that? It's it's everything. I mean, that, that's the thing. As a man, especially a man in the South, you're taught that you're the provider. You don't need anyone's help. Um, you're in control of mm-hmm. everything. And so, yeah, that's important. And I don't disagree with those things. But what's not mentioned is though in in those factors is that's whenever you have a wife slash mother on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't do it as a as a guy on your own, even in a, even in a, in a marriage. Mm-hmm. It, it's at least two of you for mm-hmm. sure. So whenever the other half of that equation is gone, mm-hmm. and I am the only source of everything, mm-hmm. you learn a lot about yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the last thing I wanted to do at 30 years old mm-hmm. was to admit failure and defeat and move back to my hometown and mm-hmm. sleep on my mother's couch, a college graduate mm-hmm. and 30 years old, and I'm sleeping on my mom's couch. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a difficult thing to even say out mm-hmm. loud. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I knew that I had no alternative. You know, mm-hmm. I could not accomplish everything on my own. I, I, I had to have, so I think the really the, the most important thing in that is that you admit uh, that you can't do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a single dad or single mom, mm-hmm. you, you can't do it by yourself. Right, yeah. It doesn't make you a weak person to admit that I can't do it by mm-hmm. myself, you know? Mm-hmm. And that goes back to saying, you hear that phrase a lot, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. And I mean, similar to situation, my sister, she moved on her own to California and she, you know, her, eventually her husband got married and they had two kids. Well, Living in California wasn't easy and mm-hmm. wasn't cheap. So guess where they are now? They're here in Youngsville. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they moved the two boys here, and so now they're raising their family here, closer yeah. to home and closer to mom and dad, a better support system because they were just there by themselves. So how was that like telling your son that we're going to have to move back, we're, ha- we're going to have to stay with grandma? How was that? That's a actually a, quite an interesting story that I, didn't, I had not even really given much thought. <laughs> so after after he was four and we knew there was, you know, definitely some serious issues going mm-hmm. on, I was recommended that I take him to a therapist okay. just to see kids, kids rationalize things in different ways. Mm-hmm. And at, at four, obviously you only have so much information stored mm-hmm. in your brain. So trying to rationalize something that makes no logical sense mm-hmm. that being where's my mom mm-hmm. the child mind tries to rationalize as best they can mm-hmm. and the during some of his initial therapy sessions which I was not allowed to be in the room for okay. just because the therapist didn't want his answers to be influenced by me being there mm-hmm. I could be on the outside of the room and listen mm-hmm. you know through a two-way mirror thing but mm-hmm. I, I could not be in the room and the way he rationalized it at four years old is that she had babies for money and she had had him and she had sold him to me mm-hmm. and now she had left to go make money somewhere else. And that's a, as a four-year-old? At a four-year-old. That's how he rationalized the situation. That's is that, that I know that that wasn't 
truly his mom, she was just having babies for money and she sold him to me. Mm-hmm. What? I mean, yeah. how, where, how does, where does a four-year-old get, get that information from? No clue. I mean, no clue whatsoever. And mm-hmm. I, I've actually never thought, I haven't thought about that in years, but that was, that was how he rationalized the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I wondered that. I wonder that to this day. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. how how I, that was. That was the biggest source of anxiety for me is that I only knew what he would tell me. So what he was thinking about in his mind at night, whenever I wasn't around, I haven't. I mean, there's no way to really know. So mm-hmm. uh, it was it was a lot of therapy at, at a young age to understand what happened. And then as he aged, mm-hmm. um, you know, the stories, I, I would give him more of the story back then. I just basically explained that, no, she did not sell you mm-hmm. to me, you know. Uh, so is that, is that a challenge that you had to face was explaining to him, this is, this is what happens. This is where your mother is. Like, mm-hmm. how was that process? That's exactly exactly right. So the therapy the therapist would explain to me how to explain things to mm-hmm. him like no that is not, you know, the way that mm-hmm. that, that worked. Mm-hmm. Whenever he was that small, all that we, we were really instructed to tell him is that she was sick mm-hmm. and that she was somewhere else getting better and whenever she was healthy, she would come back. Mm-hmm. And at that at that time we were telling him that I had no clue where she was mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. So I mean it was just the best we could come up with. To not scare him, you know, or to not, it was just the simplest answer because it wasn't untrue. I mean, addiction mm-hmm. is a disease. I mean, yes, she was sick. Mm-hmm. And then as he got older, you know, I would just, I would give him more of the, more of the story. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until he was 13 that I told him the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I look, this is a, because at this point she had been clean for several years. She mm-hmm. lives in Pennsylvania. So she's, She's never been back since he was four. And okay. there, there's been conversations on the mm-hmm. phone and, and letters mm-hmm. and so forth. But whenever he was 13, she had been clean for several years. She had a good job. You know, she was doing really well and wanted to be a part of his, his life. life more. Mm-hmm. And I explained to her, you know, look, he's 13, so it's his decision at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, it, mm-hmm. um, it's a whole different podcast as far as the legalities of all yeah. that. But at 13, they can choose which parent they live with Okay, uh, if the court allows that happened so um I explained to her I was like look I'm gonna tell him the entire story I'm gonna tell him exactly what happened mm-hmm. from start to finish mm-hmm. I'm gonna give him your phone number and it's gonna be up to him if he wants to I'm not gonna give you his because you're not gonna pester him mm-hmm. if he wants to call you or text you he can call you or text you mm-hmm. and he just turned 17 and he's never called her or texted her mm-hmm. and even whenever I ask him why I mean, he tells me he's like I don't really know what to say he's like I don't don't I really don't have anything to talk about mm-hmm. and what like, yes yeah, and you you have 12, you know, 13 years worth of life that you can tell her about, but he just doesn't have an interest yeah. in it, I don't think. so. In school, did he ever face kids bullying him or asking him, like, where's your mother, and how did you deal with that? He never told me anything specific as far as bullying goes, mm-hmm. and it was obvious that, you know, for all of whenever there's school functions, and that's whenever I really recognized how small of a fraternity that I'm in mm-hmm. is whenever I would show up, you know, six out of 10 kids, dads aren't part of their life. Mm-hmm. Well, it's less than one out of 10 for kids that don't have their moms in their life. Mm-hmm. So I would show up to these events and mm-hmm. I'd see a sea of moms, you know, with their kids and then maybe just a couple dads. Mm-hmm. And so that question came up to him a lot. Where's your mom? Mm-hmm. And he would just tell them that she lived somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And, as, and again, this is just what he was telling me. Mm-hmm is that that was kind of where the conversation ended. They really didn't ask him about it after that. that, 
So he kind of learned that most every kid is missing one parent being in their lives 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really a sad state of affairs that the kid mm-hmm. with both parents in a loving home is the minority mm-hmm. these days. So I think because of that, he didn't feel so segregated mm-hmm. for it, but he's never he never really mentioned anything about bullying. But whenever there were events that were specific to moms, yeah. like muffins with mom was mm-hmm. a thing, mm-hmm. my mom and my sister would go with them. Mm-hmm. And they lived an hour away, so yeah. that was actually pretty cool that they would... They would come and get their visit. Yeah, drive yeah. over early mm-hmm. morning and do those events with him. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like as your son was growing up, you guys had a very open line of communication. We did. We I, I've always made him understand that he can tell me anything. Mm-hmm. There, There's really nothing that is off limits, whether it be he's angry, happy, sad, mm-hmm. whatever. I want you to be able to talk to be me. Be open and honest. I've always told him that, that there's never anything that's that's off limits. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was always interesting. The reason why that came up is because whenever he would go and spend time with just my mom mm-hmm. of during the summertime, she would always call while he was there and, and ask me or just tell me. He talks about his mom a lot. Does mm-hmm. he talk to you about it? And he never talks to me about her he really never has Mm -hmm. but he always does how old was he at this time this was from five six years old up until now Mm -hmm. um and even to this day Mm -hmm. he'll still ask my mom questions about Mm -hmm. I mean the last time it happened was it was maybe six seven weeks ago he was asking her about what she looked like you know was she tall there was some specific question related to her appearance mm-hmm. and is it, it because he's tall yeah yeah he's almost <laughs> six four wow um, that's yeah. 17 year old and she's six she's six feet tall okay and i'm six one so mm-hmm. he was gonna be tall yeah but it made my mom realize that he's forgetting what she looked like because it's been the last time he physically saw her with his own eyes was in 2010 so mm-hmm. it's been eight years since he's laid eyes on her and hasn't mm-hmm. even talked to her since 2013. Mm-hmm. So it's been five years since he's even heard her voice. So I mean, mm-hmm. all those years, and I guess those things have kind of left him a little bit. I explained to my mother that, you know, now he doesn't ever really talk to me about her. And every time that comes up, I'll always tell him, I don't want him to feel like my mom's ratting him out, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. neither does she. But just reiterate that, hey, you know, if there's anything you want to ask me, and the, and the way that she would ask him, you know, have you, did you ask your dad? Mm-hmm. And he would tell my mom that he uh, he was afraid to ask me because he didn't want to hurt my feelings. He didn't want to make me sad by asking me about her. Mm-hmm. And, it, I mean, it doesn't make me sad. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it actually makes me sad that he doesn't ask me, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just it's a constant reiteration of you know, there's nothing that you can't, tell me and talk to me about you know he just Mm -hmm. has a new girlfriend Mm -hmm. as of just a few weeks ago he started Mm -hmm. quote dating dating. (laughs) Um, and you know so we had to have the conversation about being respectful of the girl and of the Mm -hmm. parents and safety protection you know respect all those things that we've obviously touched on throughout time Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you know now is more relevant than ever because he's basically an adult almost and Mm -hmm. the rules are different than whenever he has his sixth grade sweetheart it's a Mm -hmm. different type of you know it's a real relationship now Mm -hmm. so we've had to have a lot of those conversations Mm -hmm. now and and I don't censor myself at all I think it does a disservice to censor yourself Mm -hmm. with your kids Mm -hmm. 
have the tough conversations. You know, you uh, I think that you have to. My parents didn't do that with me. Mm-hmm. It was a different time when I was right. growing up. But we didn't have the sex talk. We didn't have conversations about those things really at all. It was just a different a different time. But with the day and age that we have with the, all the access that's on digital Social media. Social media, yeah. You, it almost makes you think like you don't need to have as many conversations with your kids because there is so much information available but to me that's actually the problem is there's so much information available you know so that's why I feel that you can't censor the conversation you have to talk about everything under the sun my there's there's a kid in in my son's class that is transitioning Mm -hmm. I don't even know what what does that even mean exactly and how do you know what that means Mm -hmm. you know it's Mm -hmm. it's a little it's it's a a young girl who who identifies as a boy Mm -hmm. and her parents are supportive and she's openly transitioning you know in view Mm -hmm. of the whole her whole world Mm -hmm. which I think is pretty amazing of her parents Mm -hmm. those are things that we didn't have to deal with mm-hmm. convers- you know, having conversations mm-hmm. with our kids 10 years ago. Absolutely. So uh, but there's nothing more important, I think, than communication. That's where a lot of the bullying comes from, mm-hmm. both on the bullying side and the kids being bullied. Mm-hmm. I think that, that I feel like that has a lot to do with the uh, increase in school shootings that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you really pay close attention, those kids were not well taken care of at home. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the kids that are that you see that are misbehaving in school, they come from, quote-unquote, a broken family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, tell us, how are you able to ensure that he's not going to be one of those kids? That's honestly, that has always been a fear of Mm -hmm. mine. Mm -hmm. As, you know, you hear about different things happening around the country, kids, whether it be they're shooting up their school or they jumped off a building or whatever, Mm -hmm. all the markers for something like that happening with him were there Mm -hmm. in every way and sometimes even amped up even more Mm -hmm. than some of these stories that I was reading. I mean, I'm almost borderline obsessed with reading these stories about these kids. In fact, there's a show, I think it's on, it may be on Netflix, it may be on something else, but it's called Killer Kids. Mm -hmm. And it's a show about children under the age of 17 that Mm -hmm. have done some really horrendous things. And I watched and read as much as I could because I felt like that he would be predisposed to something like that mm-hmm. happening. So I felt I needed to educate myself on looking for the markers, you know, mm-hmm. spending a lot of time alone in his room, and even you know what kind of clothes he wore, and, mm-hmm. and music and videos and stuff that he watched and listened to. And mm-hmm. there was there's a fine line because you don't want to be overly aggressive with that because then you'll push him away. And so it's a constant fine line. It, it, it's constant. The anxiety doesn't go away, but I don't think it should. As a parent, mm-hmm. you'll have no more important job you'll in the world. You'll always worry as a parent. There's no way. Yeah. And it has to do with the fact that how that individual kid turns out as an adult is a direct relation to how they were raised as a, as a child. Mm-hmm. So I, I find that to be the greatest responsibility of my life is ensuring that he is a well-adjusted and well-mannered mm-hmm. member of society. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not a part-time job. No. <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's full-time a around the clock. 24-7 yes. uh, job for sure. And, and mm-hmm. I, I have to say, I get constant compliments of how well-mannered he is. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Thank you, please. Holds mm-hmm. the door, door open for a lady. I mean, he he does all those things now while I'm not even around. Mm-hmm. And that's how I know he's not doing it just to just to make sure he's following my rules, if you will, mm-hmm. but he's doing it because it's part of his fabric. 
So there, I, there's no greater compliment in the world than hearing your son is such a well-mannered kid. Mm-hmm. It's the best thing you can hear as yeah. a parent. You yeah. Know? So how well are you guys adjusting to life here in Lafayette? It's worked out really, really well so far. He has found a, a, a solid little friend group at his school. They've kept in touch not only via the cell phone, of course, but mm-hmm. even meeting up at the library mm-hmm. uh, to watch movies. They hang out at the park. I mean, he has a really good group of friends. It's a well-diverse group of friends, boys, mm-hmm. girls. Mm-hmm about eight of them all together so yeah. they typically hang out all together That's throughout good. the summer so he's done really well with that his grades improved mm-hmm. after moving here so it's great I, I mean I have no nothing negative to say as far as he's concerned at all yeah. I've been super busy with my job so that keeps me that is my personal professional yeah. social life is all kind of tied into one uh-huh little basket but so far I mean I, it was unexpected to mm-hmm. get the offer to move here mm-hmm. and I, I really gave it a lot of thought, mm-hmm. and there were plenty of reason, reasons to not, but there were too many reasons that I should. Right. And, you know, looking back a year later, I don't regret it one bit at all. Mm-hmm. Well, so we like to ask as a closing question, so as a single father, what is the one thing you want other single parents to get out of this episode? The one thing, mm-hmm. can I have one thing with two parts? <laughs> <laughs> the most important thing of all is honestly communication. Mm-hmm. Communication, and there's no reason to ad- not to admit that you can do it by yourself. Admit to yourself that you need help mm-hmm. and communicate that with other people. So mm-hmm. I, communication at the end of the day with friends, family, mm-hmm. with your children, and with yourself, I, I think more than anything because you're only in control of yourself. And the decisions you make affect everyone and everyone, everything around you. Mm-hmm. So begin with that, with that inner conversation to be honest with yourself about your situation. Right. And and then make forceful moves to to make things happen. You only get one shot. Yeah. Uh, at raising your you kids. You get one life. Yeah. 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 You don't get you don't get tomorrow back or mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. So if you've made mistakes before, can't change them now. You on, just on learn mistakes, from it and you move forward. Learn from them and mm-hmm. and be a better person. Just try to in one measurable way be better than you were yesterday in the smallest of ways if you do those things just like a snowball Mm -hmm. if you do those little things daily then before you know it you've affected your life a hundred percent and you will never regret it Mm -hmm. well thank you mick that was awesome i'm so glad we got to do this me too okay listeners don't forget to rate review and subscribe Our podcast, Parenting in Kadiana, is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. 